if you are a visitor today, you are in, a, in for a treat in the sense that there's a chuckle over the crowd because today is a pretty special day and um, if you're a visitor, you get an opportunity to, to see what is kind of the apex or the culmination of, of what has been our four-week stewardship capital campaign for our new church building. And, um, and so as we, as we look towards that, I wanted to just say a few things as I get started here. Um, I know that for maybe all of us, we can, we can breathe a sigh of relief knowing that this is week four of four on this campaign. And, and um, hopefully it's a good sigh as we come to this, this stage of the, of the campaign and the, and the process that we're in. And before I jump right in, I wanted to um, just, I wanted to publicly thank a few people. This has been a huge undertaking over the last six months from a lot of people working behind the scenes. And just want to thank a few people. First off, I want to thank our elders who honestly give probably far too much time, and, and yet they do it um, as volunteers and are in communication with me nearly every single day, and um, the way that they shepherd and lead our flock, as well as the way that they personally care for me, and uh, they stepped in, and, and I was planning on preaching all four of those sermons for this past month, and they said, you know what, let us, let us share this load with you. And I was very okay with them sharing this load with me. And they took a couple of really tough topics, and um, I really appreciate that. I also just want to, sh- to say thank you to all, all of you um, for, for, for being here and truly engaging in what has been a very pointed um, and um, sometimes difficult topic or topics when we talk about money. Because I think all of us have probably been or... It, personally in churches where um, maybe this topic has not been um, dealt with well or maybe has not been dealt with in a biblical way and it's been more arm twisting and we have been very very intentional to not do that in this process Um, one of the key foundations to what we want to communicate in this even when we talk about being generous and even we talk about God owning everything and when we talk about sacrificial giving the, the, the indicator that you're, you're at a place where the Lord wants you is that there's joy and there's peace within your heart. And that's not something that can be manufactured with, with crafty words. That's something that only the Holy Spirit can provide. And so I just want to thank you for, for really um, looking to the Lord through this process because I know it's been, it has been challenging in a lot of different ways. And, and I also just want to thank the advanced commitment people. I'll talk a little bit more about this in just a moment. But we, we held six advanced commitment gatherings uh, starting two weeks ago and that was that was um, coordinated by Sherry Wilson Tom a little bit too but we'll give most of the credit to the to Sherry and um, there were six gatherings and there was full meals at each gathering me and Andy went to every one of those and we are positive we both gained weight because of this I mean we had tri-tip chicken and dumplings a full Thanksgiving meal a lasagna meal and I think I'm probably forgetting a few others. It was just awesome. But um, thank you for opening up your homes. And thank you for those that went to those, those advanced, commitment, advanced commitment gatherings. Um, so where does all this kind of point? Uh, where does this go? Well, I've got the scripture up here. 
Marshall shared at our men's breakfast a scripture yesterday. He stole my thunder. But this is one that's not, um, I think, probably new to most of us. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. I know in my life and I know in a lot of people's lives, our paths could not be described as straight paths. They could be described as crooked more than they could be described as, as straight. And it's, it's easy. This passage tells us what a crooked path looks like. It's, it's a path that is one where our trust is in ourself. It's not in him. Um, where we, we rest upon our, our own understanding of a situation, um, not acknowledging him in all our ways. And, and so with this process that, is that we've, we've been in, yes, we're trying to bring the capital up to a place to where we can move forward with our project, God's project, of this new facility to house his church. And part of that process is, is us really individually and corporately trusting in him in this process, walking, moving in faith as we, we step through this process. And so... I know that only 80 of us went through those advanced commitment gatherings, so I'm going to do just a quick review of that. So if you were there, you're going to have to just grin and bear this for a moment. But um, for those of you who weren't there or maybe newer to the church, you might not know some of this important information as, as, as it relates to this, this church building. We can say, why? Why are we doing this? Why are we building a new church building, and why are we having a, a capital campaign? And, and I just want to answer that in just a couple, couple ways. Um, one is that, simply put, this facility is, is requiring a lot of additional care, and some might say it's falling apart. I wouldn't go that far to say it's falling apart, but there's a number of components. For example, the HVAC system, our heating and air conditioning system in this church. It does sometimes work, and sometimes it doesn't work very well. We've had the technician out here twice in the last six weeks working on it. Um, it has a shelf life, and I think it's coming probably pretty close to the end of that. And that's an expensive fix, an expensive repair, twenty dollars to $50,000, depending on how bad it is and what needs to be done. So that's a, an issue. Um, another issue is our roof. We, thanks to Chris Waters, replaced a section of that roof over there. And um, we have six other sections, five other sections that are going to need replacing at some point. Again, to the tune of roughly forty dollars to $50,000 to replace that. The septic system's a big issue. If you didn't know this, where you drive and park, that is our septic system. That is the septic system, and that is our drain field out there. And we are grandfathered in, thank goodness, to be able to use our parking lot. But as soon as we do any repair to that or we have to replace that system then we, not only do we have to put out a pretty good chunk of chains to do that, we also, we also lose our parking because the health department will not allow us with a new system or, or a, an upgraded system to drive on it. We're grandfathered in right now. So, so as you notice, there's an issue with parking already. I mean, many of you park in one of our two auxiliary spots or on all the street corners or over at the school. Just imagine if we lost most of our parking in here too. That would be a bit of a, a bit of an issue. And then the other one that I'll mention, and I'll end with this, is the, the electrical system in our church. Um, if you have ever come to a potluck or you've been one that takes care of all of the actual pots that go, is it potluck or hot pot, hot, what are those things called? Crockpots. Those crockpots, well, they blow circuits like crazy around here. I mean, 
And now that it's a little bit cooler, whenever any of us that are here during the week turn on our heaters, um, it pops breakers all over the place. So we had an electrician come in, and he came in, and he, he looked at um, our system, and he basically, we were going to have him fix it. And he says, you know what, I can't touch this until I spend, um, until I f- bring it up to code. And to do that, it's going to be 30000 bucks to bring it up to code. And then I can work on your problem. So if you look at all of that, and, and you, let's say it all went bad on the same week, which it's not going to do, you're talking two hundred to $250,000, which honestly... Not a big deal. I mean, it's a lot of money. Not a big deal if this facility met our needs. And not just our needs today, but our needs as we, we walk forward in our gospel ministry in this town. As you know, Sundays, we are very full in here. We have a, a VIP overflow room that is sometimes itself full. And, and so there is this issue and... and we don't want to communicate to the, the, the people that we're reaching out to that we love you, but there's no room in the inn, and there's no place, there's no seat for you, there's no parking for you. If you're in Awana or VBS, it's kind of the same thing. You realize we use every single room in this whole building during Awana because we have 110 kids and adults here um, doing Bible verses. So you take all that in, into consideration, and you kind of think, wow, okay. Now, on top of that, you look at what the Lord has provided to his church here and what he's he's done here he has provided through the faithfulness of the saints of this church 20 years ago 12 acres that sits free and clear in a prime area that is visible to our town right across from uh, the number one activity community activity that we have in our town which is our which is our little league right there and so it's a great location that's just sitting there saying whenever you're ready we're we're ready i also think of the people in which he's brought to to his church here, um, not only um, not only are we at a place needing to build a new building, we're busting the seams. We're doing that because you all are so good at taking the gospel out and expressing the gospel amongst your your world that you live in. And that's what we're all about: is is reaching out to the community. That's our purpose as a church. We want to be equipping you, the church, to be reaching with the gospel those near to us but far from him. That's what we're about as a church. And we're going to continue to do that. That's never going to stop. That's always going to be the focus in one way or another. We may word the mission state, statement different, but it's, it's what we're called to do. We're called to be the expression of Christ in this world. And, and so as we do this, he's, he's brought along people. He's brought along a whole church full of tradespeople. And it's amazing. When we look at the skills amongst our church, we've got electricians and plumbers and, and septic people and, and tree and landscape people and concrete finishers, and, and the list goes on and on. And then we have a Chris Waters who does everything. Right, Chris? <laughs> if you don't know Chris, you will know him, but um, he, he, he does a lot. He was, he was here yesterday all by himself. He shows up almost, I'm not trying to give him too much glory, but the reality is he shows up here a lot, and, and, and I catch him serving you uh, by taking care of things um, just on his own, uh, on his own um, will. So anyway, we have all of these people that God has brought along, uh, so we're kind of primed for this spot. We're kind of ready, and um, about a year and a half ago, if you were here at that point in time, the church body... The church body sought through prayer. Many of us fasted as we pre- prepared for, is this the direction the Lord is taking us? And, and we didn't even have all of these points 
at that point in time, and we came around, we, we all came together, and there was just this resounding, yes, this is what we all sense the Lord is doing. And so that's kind of what brings us to the spot that we're at today, and we're at the place now where we're actually, where the rubber kind of meets the road. And it's exciting, um, it's an exciting, it's an exciting time in the life of our church. Now, um, we had these advanced commitment gatherings that, that a number of people went to. And I want to just share kind of the components to that, those meetings so that those of you who weren't there kind of have a little bit of a picture of what took place. We had those gatherings um, over that time. Um, one, just to encourage participation. We want everyone to participate in this process. If this is your church home, we want you to participate. Um, some of you absolutely cannot give of finances, and that is so okay in the sense that that is where you're at, but you will participate through. We have 110, I think 100 plus people on our, on our prayer team for this process. That's a lot of people praying for this process. That's exciting. Um, but there's, there's talents, so there's other ways, but we want everybody participating. When it comes to finances, even if, you know, even if it's a dollar or it's a million dollars, those are great. We want everybody participating in this process that we're in. Young, old, whether you're a newbie or whether you've been here, one of the originals who's been here for 40 plus years. We want a, a full participation because this is, we're the church. We're called to be united together as a body. So this, this was one of the ways in which we would participate in that. I'm going to read a letter. This is a, a, a true event that came out of a campaign in North Dakota. Andy Poole, think of our resources, Again, one of our elders, he's a retired, well, first off, he was a, a Christian school principal. And then, and then um, he retired and became full-time capital fundraising, uh, what's that word, consultant, um, dealing with churches and helping churches. So he's done hundreds and hundreds of campaigns like this. And the fee that his company would charge for him to go to a church would be about fifty dollars to $80,000. And he just brought that skill, obviously, at least we haven't got the bill yet. I don't know if we're going to get the bill. No. Uh, but again, just what a blessing. So this came from one of Andy's colleagues for one, from one of the campaigns that he did. And this talks a little bit about sacrifice, but it also shows the importance of um, participation. And you'll know this letter if you were at one of the advanced gatherings. I heard it six times, and honestly, my eyes get moist every time. So uh, let me read it. It says, the scene is Sunday morning at the Gloria Day Lutheran Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I was in attendance that Sunday morning because I was leading training meetings later that afternoon. During the worship service, a young woman, I'm estimating her to be in her early 20s, was asked by the minister to share a personal testimony of her involvement in their Forward by Faith, similar to Moving by Faith stewardship program. The young woman stood in front of us and she said, when I heard that our church was going to build a new educational building for our children, nursery, and our teenagers, I was excited because being the mother of two baby girls, I knew that they would benefit from the facility all the way through their childhood and into their teen years. When I also heard that we were going to try to raise the money rather than go into debt, I was even more excited, and I decided that I would divide my giving, which is not very much, between the regular support of the ministry budget and the new capital building program. It was not long after that that I was asked to be involved in the program in a personal way. I attended one of the training meetings, and what I heard a man say broke my heart. 
for he told us that our giving to this program had to be over and above our regular gift. I knew that there was no way I could do that. But then he went on to say that he asked us to pray about making a sacrificial gift. For me to consider sacrifice is a very difficult thing, she said. She says, let me tell you about my situation. I am, first of all, a single mom with two baby girls. I have no other means of support except the job that I do working eight to 10 hours a day for minimum wage. I live a hard and a difficult life. It goes something like this. I get up at 5.30 a.m. and I get myself ready. Then I wake up my baby girls, feed and clothe them, put them in the car, take them, take them where they are going to spend the day, and then I go to work. I work hard. I work eight to 10 hours a day for minimum wage. About 6 p.m. when my day concludes, I go by and pick up my girls, take them home, feed them, play with them, clean them up, put them in bed, and then that's the time when I have to do my housework. I live in a very modest apartment with very thin walls. It's not very large, but it does take some work. Usually it's about 10.30 or 11 p.m. when I'm able to go to bed, and that is when I have some time to myself. That's when I read my Bible, I pray, or I do whatever I can do to relax and drift off to sleep, only to wake the next morning at about 5.30 and do it all over again, and I do that five to six days a week. I don't have very much. The car that I own has more rust than paint on it. The tires don't have any of those wiggly marks in them anymore. There is something desperately wrong with my engine. At this point, let me share with you that there was some, oh, this is stepping out of the story. The consultant says, at this point, let me share with you that there was something wrong with her engine. It needed a tune-up or something because I remember watching her drive out of the parking lot on those Sioux Fall winter nights and watching that car sputter and jump trying to move on down the road. And I would often pray, God, just get that girl home tonight. She went on to say, I don't have enough money to buy makeup, so I don't wear any. I don't have enough money to go to the beauty salon and have my hair done, so I have to cut it myself. I'm not able to buy new clothes. I buy all of the clothes at garage sales and secondhand stores. Now, when you talk about a life like that, tell me, tell me, what is it that you would want me to sacrifice? What is it that you would want me to cut out of my life in order for me to make a gift over and above my regular giving. I already give a tithe, that's not very much, but how can I do more? And then she stepped back from the pulpit, spread her arms out and simply said, take a look, tell me, tell me what, to, what do you sacrifice out of a life like that? She went on to say that she would seriously consider praying about sacrifice and she said, for two weeks I prayed about this and at the end of those two weeks, God spoke to me, and he revealed to me that there is an indulgence in my life, and that indulgence was that I ate out for lunch every day when I was at work. Now, how did I do that? Now, how did I do that? It is across the street from where I worked. There was this hamburger place that advertised a 99-cent menu. I would go over there and order something off the 99-cent menu and a cup of ice water, and then I would take my lunch, and I would go sit by the window and dream of better days that might be. As I prayed and I thought about it, God revealed to me that I could give up lunch, and so that is what my commitment will be. I'm going to give up, I'm going to give up lunch a dollar a day, at least five days a week, for a total of $780 over the next three years to our building program. You see, there's only three things that are important in my life, my baby girls, my church, and my work. My church is my family, it is my support, it is my social life, and I'm willing to make that kind of sacrifice to our church so that our church can move forward with this program. 
With those words, the young lady, she sat down. That morning, there were no hallelujahs or amens for her, and there was no applause or ovation. In fact, when she sat down, there was a silence in the sanctuary that morning, as if God had walked into that room and sat down where each of us was sitting. I was not there that next Sunday, the consultant says, but I heard about it. A man stood to share his testimonial. His comments were, When the minister asked me to share my personal involvement in this program, I had intended to tell you that I was going to give $10,000 to this program, a sum that I figured most of you would see as very generous and very liberal. But last Sunday morning, I sat in the sanctuary, and I heard a young woman share her testimony of what she would give and having to give up $780 over the next three years. And she'd have to give up her lunch. I sat here thinking... I'm going to give 10,000 bucks, and I'm not going to give up lunch, nor breakfast, nor dinner, nor snacks, nor a new suit, nor a new car, nor trips, nor vacations. In fact, nothing was going, and this is kind of the key, nothing was going to change about my life because I was going to give 10,000 bucks. During this past week, I've struggled with what sacrifice is for me, and I don't know if I have made it yet or not. I'm asking you to pray for me, that I can be sacrificial, as sacrificial as this young woman that spoke up to us last Sunday morning. My commitment, if I was making it today, would be $50,000. Again, I don't know if that is as sacrificial as she is. Pray for me, that I can achieve her level of sacrifice. Ladies and gentlemen, we need both of those gifts because that church went over and above their goal by $500. Both of those gifts were important. The $780 gift and the $50,000 gift. They were both important. And it's so true with how the Lord works. We, we, we know the stories in the, in the Gospels about the widow's might that gave two, that gave two cents. And that, that was more than those that threw in a bunch. It's not about the amount, but it is about, it is about sacrificial giving. It is about all of us participating in that, and it's important for all of us because it's going to take all of us to move through this process. And so these advanced gatherings, one of those things is we've just challenged us as a church, and hopefully this isn't a surprise being Commitment Sunday. We've been announcing it for months, but you, you have been praying and asking the Lord, what is it and how is it that you're going to, to um, engage with this particular process and project? So we wanted to encourage participation, but we also wanted to encourage out-of-the-box thinking as it relates to how we would come up with our gift. You see, we went through, and Andy gave 20-plus different ways in which we can give. Most of us, when we think about giving, we just give, we just give out of our cash, which is a primary way we give. But he went through 19 other different ways in which we can give. It's a, it's a, you should have got it in your informational packet, but if you didn't read it, there's all kinds of different ways to give, and it's interesting, just my own personal experience, I, I wrestle with, do I even share this, but I'm going to share it just because it, we walked through this. Before we officially started the program, we sat down, Julie and I, and we determined what our gift was going to be. And we kind of wrestled a little bit. Actually, it took sacrifice on both of our parts, because one of us wanted to give more than the other, and so we, we, we wrestled. Neither one of us had a piece. And so we kind of wrestled as a couple. And we, um, one of us had to come down and one of us had to go up. We both had to sacrifice something in that process. We knew we arrived at the, the dollar amount for that portion of it when we, we experienced joy and we gave each other like the high five. It was like at that moment, oh, okay, we're, we're, we're at a peaceful, joyful, cheerful place. 
So that was early on in the process. And then I went to the first commitment gathering meeting. I sat there and I listened to all of the information and I was super inspired. My wife couldn't be at that one. She came to the next one, heard the same information. And then we went home and we started to talk about, we hadn't even thought about the different ways that we can engage with this process. And so we thought, what can we do in this, to engage with this process more? And one of the things that we have is we have, we have some luxuries in our life. Um, and again, I would agree with that guy in the letter. I don't think my luxuries even compare to that 99 cents giving up for that woman. But my wife was willing to give up her beloved 1949 8N tractor to sell. It works awesome, and, and um, we use it kind of sometimes, but... It's mostly just eye candy for people who love antiques. Um, you know, I'm giving up my favorite motorcycle, which if you know me, that's a lot, that is sacrificial. Uh, uh, my kids, we, we normally have to burn five cords of wood, and we sat down as a family, and we realized, you know what, we're, we love to cut wood as a family because we're weird, and so, and so we thought, well, we'll just, the kids, we'll cut some extra cords of wood over the next three years, they, they came up with the amount of how many cores, and we'll sell that wood, and we'll give that to, to this campaign. And my, my sweet girls, they're going to put together a tea modeled after, if those of you who know Sherry Eddy, Sherry Eddy does a missions tea, but they're going to be moving at some point, and my girls are going to put together a tea, at least one, maybe two teas a year for the next three years. And they estimated what kind of income that that could bring in as they sell the crafts and things that they make. And it was a really fun process to sit down and to think through some of those out-of-the-box ways in which we could participate with this process. Because sometimes it's just too easy to write a check, isn't it? But to, to sit down and think, Lord, what are some different ways that we can engage with this process, especially with our kids, especially as a family? And what's awesome about this is just doing those things, which honestly, selfishly, are kind of fun things for us anyway, um, those things almost doubled our gift, and that just, just, and it was something I wouldn't have even thought about. And it was, it was an awesome process that we went through. So that's what we did at these meetings. We kind of shared all of these different experiences. Now, um, as I wrap up here, one of the other ways that we wanted to, um, and why we did these advanced commitment gatherings is we, we didn't ask anybody to give a gift at the meetings. We gave the information that we asked them to go home and to pray about it. And we gave them a commitment card that we're going to be handing out at the end of this service to all the people that came. And um, there's a reason that we, we do that. And, and one of the reasons we do that is we wanted to come today to be able to announce today we have a goal of a million dollars. That's not enough to, to build a church facility, but it gets us, it gets us close down that road. Um, it's easier to start somewhere above zero. It's more inspiring and encouraging to start above zero. So we ask people to think about these things bring them before the Lord, talk about them as individuals, as a family, and bring them before the Lord. And so we've had a number of people, I'll share with you just a minute, the fruit of that. Um, but, but I want to say there's, and I, I, always, I always have lots of people talk to me, which is one of the fun things about my job. And, and, one, and with this, I've had a number of people come to me, and I know if a number of people come to me, there's other people that think the same way. And they've come to me and they've said, I don't like this whole card commitment thing. I'd rather my gift just be between me and God, and I'll just give as I give. And my response to that, to them, is if, if that is what God is calling you to do, if you have taken um, the information that we've provided, and you've prayed about it, and you've come to that decision, and that's your conviction in your heart, amen. That, that's great. That's exactly what you should do. 
But if this is just your preference, and this is something that you are kind of doing because we're Americans and no one tells me what to do kind of thing, um, if that's the case, um, I'd encourage you to rethink that. Because as the pastor of this church, as one of our leaders, we want to be very wise as we walk out and step out or leap out in faith, which is what this project is. It's a big leap of faith for our church. And we want to be wise in moving forward. And, and, and so part of being wise is knowing that we're able to move forward in this project in a wise way. So scripture I want to point out, Luke, Luke 14 says this, For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and, it is, and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. This is why we're, we're asking for commitments, is because we as a church don't want to be that man that starts something. We're actually committed to not start unless we know we can finish it because of the things that are here. Now, the reality is, this is God's church. The money's going to, it's God's money and it's going to come from him. If he wants this church built, it's going to happen. It doesn't just fall from the sky. He uses us as his children to provide some of these things. And so it's a key part of this project for us to engage. And so, so that's my, my encouragement and charge to you to take this seriously if, if you feel that God is leading you that way. Now, now to the fun part. So I just want to share, as of last night, I know that things have come in today, but I haven't seen the results of those. So just as, la as of last night, we had received 20 commitment cards. These are three-year commitments that people, individuals or families, are, are willing to commit to this project and give. Out of those 20 cards, there is $538,000 is our starting place from 20 cards. Amen. Pretty huge. Uh, that's awesome. That's our starting place. And it's awesome because uh, you think about that's 20 cards, and um, I know that there's a lot more participation that's going to take place, but I think more than a thing that gets me excited about the 538,000 bucks that's come in is the fact that um, that is, and this isn't the only way people show their commitment, but you certainly know that that is not an easy process for people to come to this, this place. And, and it's exciting for me to know that, that we as a church are seeing not dollar signs, we're seeing hearts and lives and faces of people in this community that need Christ. And this is just a tool. The building is just a tool. The money is just a tool. It's all God's any, anyway. But let's be honest. Money is a thing that is an idol in so many of our lives. We live in the richest country in the world. And the reason people don't like talking about money, myself included, is because it has this tendency to have a grip and hold on my heart. Jesus said it, where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. This is why Jesus, more than any other topic, he talked about money, because he knows people's weaknesses. And so it's exciting to see people stepping out in that. And, and so that's a big part. I want to wrap up and finish up, and then I'm going to invite Andy up. But just to kind of conclude all of this part, um, if I just was to answer the question, why this campaign, why this building? Um, and the reason is because we have so much more to do and so many more people to reach for Christ. We have a great mission. We have such a unique mission. We are 
one of the only, if not the only, evangelical Bible-believing churches in this town, a town that's growing, a town that has a lot of people, a town in, in North County which has the poorest population in our county. We have such a great opportunity, a great opportunity to impact the world in which we live in directly, and that can then flow out. It is flowing out thanks to gifts like the, the Operation Christmas Child. What a great opportunity we have. Just imagine, just imagine if every single one of us really owned the mission of the gospel, the Great Commission, and we just said, I'm just going to commit myself to pray for one person to, to point to Christ this year, one person in my direct world. Can you imagine how, how that would explode? Christ's church, not just here, but wherever? How awesome is that? That's us. That's, our, that's the mission that we're called to. It's so much more than a dollar. It's so much more than a building. It's a mission. Yes, it's a tool, and, and I believe God is moving us in that direction for all the, the, the points in that case, but it's, it's so much more than that. And how awesome is that, that we have that opportunity? Now, I'll, I'll finish with this last passage, and this is, this is kind of what I was just saying. But if you notice that passage I read earlier about building a tower, hopefully you recognize, because I tell you often, what's the key to understanding and interpreting the Bible? Context. Context, context, context. If you were paying attention, if you had your Bible open, you would have noticed that I, I pulled that passage out of context. That wasn't the, the primary purpose of that verse wasn't to get people to fill out a commitment card. That's certainly an important principle, and I wouldn't have used it if I didn't think it was a biblical principle. But look at the greater context. The greater context is found in verses 25 25 through 27, this precedes what we just talked about. Jesus is saying, Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and he said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and his own mother and his wife and his children and his brothers and his sisters, and yes, even hate his own life, hate her own life, he, she, cannot be my disciple." Whoever does not bear his or her own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. We are called to a radical faith, a faith that is not partial, a faith that's not a percentage. Uh, it's 100%. It's, it's an all-in faith. It's a radical Christianity. And this process that we're in now, truly I do believe it's a part of us capturing that picture and um, if you're in a growth group, you'll get a chance to wrestle with this passage a little bit in the context of Scripture itself, which is awesome to do. But what an opportunity we have. It's a great opportunity. We're in great days, and it's fun to sit down and have this conversation with my kids and, or, or others and, and have them kind of be like, eh, you know, I'm not really totally bought in. And, and then to think, well, well, think about it. What if, what if the founders of this church thought that same way? What if they were kind of, eh, about the mission of our church? What if they decided not to get in a van and drive through the streets of Yakult and pick up any kids that they could to bring them to start Sunday school, which is how our church was founded? And, and they started by busing them all the way down to Charter Oak on dirt roads every week, maybe multiple times a week. And then, then they went into a grocery store that's no longer here. It's a gravel parking lot across from the train station. Um, and then it took a group of people, much, much, much smaller than we are now, and they had to move by faith. They had to put their neck out there, and they had to go through the experience that they're going through. But the, 
And then that happened another four times because this building's been added onto four times. Um, and you think about it. They did that in what? What's happening? Well, many of them aren't alive anymore, but they would be stoked to know in the last year and a half, the church in which they sacrificed for baptized 30 people. They would be excited to see VBS stuffed with the people in our town because they gave to something that they aren't even able to participate anymore, but they knew it would, it would live on. And that's what we have this opportunity to do. And I believe we're doing. And we'll get to continue to do, even though, and I know you're sad, even though that this is the last day of the, camp, the official campaign, this is Commitment Sunday, and I move on to our next series next week, which I'm totally stoked about. Still, what an opportunity we have as we move forward together in this process. So, it's a radical faith we're called to. With that, I'm going to invite Andy to come up. He's going to kind of walk us through some of the logistics of, of this process that we're in, and um, then we'll wrap up and, and, uh, and head out of here. So, Visual aid. Visual aid, okay. I'll put this down here. Okay. We didn't walk through this logistics. Thanks, Bill. You might say I've never seen a visual aid like that. It kind of matches my tie. See, that's about as much as my cre creativity gets. What does this represent? Jigsaw puzzle, right? And when you work a jigsaw puzzle, where do you normally start? The outside. the outside. Yeah, you do the straight edges. And that sort of frames the puzzle, doesn't it? Now, you'll notice that we have colored tiles all through here. In fact, there's 27 of them. And since um, Bill gave you that number, we're still getting cards this morning. And Deidre, who's our financial treasure, and this doesn't include all of them. We are now up to 27 commitment cards, right around $570,000. Now, if our goal is a, yeah, I think that's great. If our goal is a million dollars, to come to Commitment Sunday with that much in commitments is amazing. Uh, as Bill said, I've done a lot of campaigns. And that's, that's a great start when you're looking at the goal that we have. Especially when you say, well, that's from 27 people. Well, this puzzle has about 120 pieces on it because I asked Jane to make it, and I went through the directory, and there's about 120 units, you might say, in terms of families or individuals who could participate with a gift of one kind or another. So you'll, you'll count there's about 120. You, you see there's a lot that are still not filled in, right? And they will be filled in as those cards come in. When you do a jigsaw puzzle, what's the most frustrating part when you get towards the end? The missing piece or the missing pieces. Now, I would echo what Bill said. It's not how much you give, it's participation. And this puzzle is a participation puzzle. You don't see any dollars on there. No one will ever know what you gave other than Deidre, who's our financial secretary. Someone has to do it and create those spreadsheets, and she is the one who has agreed to do that. But that's the whole idea of the puzzle, is its participation. And I'm asking James to put the commitment card on the screen.
And we want to walk through that commitment card quickly. There it is. And we have some wonderful usher, uh, a team that's going to come up here and hand out commitment cards to every family. Now, obviously, 27 or more of you have already completed a card. I've asked our helpers to give everybody, every family, a card. And why do we do that? Because it doesn't really look good if you have 27 people sitting there doing nothing, right? What does that communicate? Oh, why aren't they doing something? Maybe they're opposed to this campaign. And if you have already completed a card, just write duplicate on there. You're not going to get done twice for your gift. But you know, I've had people who have turned cards in who after they hear the message of Commitment Sunday, they change the amount. They might increase it. And that's, that's very possible you could do that. Bill expressed to you how he changed their commitment as he went through the process. Jane and I did the same thing as we looked at the resources that God has given to us. And you also have pens. We have the ability to do that. Now, when you get your card, and you can follow with me, the left side is simply biographical. That's your name, your address, city, and so on and so on. Now, for those of you who are simply resistant to completing a card you don't want, some people say, I don't, I don't know if I'll be alive in three years. How can I make a three-year commitment? Or I, I just really don't feel comfortable. If, as, as Bill said, if your discomfort is genuine based on conviction of what God has showed you, I totally respect that. But would you do one thing for the sake of tallying our gifts? If you are in that framework, on the back side of the card, it's mainly blank. It has a place for the address. If you would simply on the back side of the card say, I intend to give, and then whatever, put, put that amount in there. That will help with the ability to determine how are the gifts going to come in. Because we're serious as elders of not starting something we can't finish. Do you agree with that? Do you think that makes sense? You want people driving by and seeing a foundation and no building. It would not be good for the reputation of our church. So we want to accommodate your own convictions. If it's just a preference, you would really help us by filling out the commitment card. Now let's go down the right side. It says, after prayerful consideration, we will make this commitment to IFC's Moving by Faith. And then it has a line with a dollar sign. This is where you would put your three-year gift. So if someone says, I'm going to do $15,000 a year for three years, that's where that amount of money goes. If it's $5,000, if it's $300, whatever your three-year gift is, we'd like you to put that where the dollar sign is. And then you might give weekly, you might give monthly, quarterly, annually, or maybe it's a one-time gift. However you intend to complete that gift, that's where that goes. And then when you would start that gift. And it may be that you uh, give it in blocks of money. Some people that are self-employed get paid by the job. And it may be at the end of a job, they can give a chunk of money. That's fine. Just give us some indication. We're probably several months away from actually turning the soil to start the foundation because of permits and all the rest that you have to go through to do this kind of a thing. So that's probably early spring. But wouldn't it be wonderful if we had enough commitments in hand by March or April to actually get the groundwork done to start our building. Then it says, um, 
we'll write a check. If your main way of giving is to write a check, just check that box. And then we will set up an automatic payment from our online banking or, or whatever you do. I do that to pay some of my bills. I pay bills through online banking. And many people that do, do that today, especially younger people. And if you do that, you can go directly into the church's bank account from your bank account. You don't have to write a check or, you know, mail a letter. And if that's one of your choices, you can do that. The next one we're struggling with because automatic payments from a credit card, there's really two things that are not good about that. One is we're not here to encourage people to build up debt. Please don't borrow money to make a commitment. Not a good plan. I don't think it's in line with biblical principles. And second, it costs the church to receive that money, maybe two to 3%. If you have other ways to give, we can accommodate this, but it's certainly not our first choice. And then the last one is a huge one. And I want to tell you about that because there's a table still back there where you can sign up for gifts in kind. Now that figure of 570 grand was cash. We also have gifts in kind that amount to electrical, plumbing, concrete work, etc., that probably total right now $150,000. So you need to piggyback that 150 on top of the roughly 570. And what does that take it to? $720,000. We're not that far off from a million dollars. And based on the kind of response we get today and over the, the next three weeks when gifts can come in, that can just be a raise the roof type of celebration here in church. That's the card. And we want you to take a moment or two. If you haven't completed a card, this is an opportunity. Now, why do we ask you to do that here in church? There's really two reasons. Number one, we've been telling you that this is the Sunday that we do it. Number two is when people take cards home, they have a much harder way finding their way back to the church. It's like a survey when you do a survey. People take survey at home and they never make it back to church. So we are asking you to prayerfully make your decision today because we've been telling you that is going to happen. On the back of that card, which I haven't showed, it just has a place for an address and a blank spot. Anything you want to communicate to us, and Deidre will be the one who sees it, but if there's comments that need to come to the elders or to the deacons, she will make sure we get those comments. None of us will ever see those cards except Deidre. Does that make sense? Because we believe giving is very personal. If you still have questions, you're free to talk to any of the elders, to Deidre, or the deacons. Mike King is a deacon who deals with finance. We want you to have the information you need to make a careful and prayerful decision about moving by faith. You don't do these things every day. You don't do them every 10 years. They're rare in the life of a church. So this is a great opportunity to let Yakult know we're here and we're here to make a difference. Thank you very much. All right, what's next? We're going to pray. We have some elders or leaders come up, and we're going to collect the cards. Then we're going to pray, right, Bill? Was that the order? Either way. Either way. Let's collect the cards. So come on up with the bags. This is like a second collection. All right, but it's really not. 
and when you have your card completed, you can put it, and if you haven't had enough time, you can hand it in after everybody else has turned their card in. And then I'd like some of our leaders to come up, and once we have those cards, we're going to bring the bags up front here, and we're going to pray over the gifts that you have given today to build our new facilities. And we got music. <laughs> 